Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film Junk Podcast for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. This is episode number 885, and my name is Sean. My name is Jay. And my name is Frank. Coming up on this week's episode, we've got a pair of reviews for you. We're going to be talking about Cocaine Bear, as well as Women Talking, just recently released on VOD. Uh, probably a few other things we watched as well, so thanks for uh, downloading and checking out the show. Always glad to have you guys with us. Jay and Frank, how are you doing this week? Doing all right. Yep, doing I know Frank's doing pretty good. He, uh, he's been spending some time under the visor. A little bit, not a lot, yeah. Why is that How's such that a, a big deal? It's pretty good. The uh, The haptic feedback on the PSVR 2 <clears throat> is fun, but I've only played, let's say, total two hours of VR gaming. One induced hmm. uh, potential vomiting, and I gave up for the evening. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting my VR legs back. Might take a while. Yeah, Why you mentioned... You- you had to get back to uh, being used to going under the visor. Get back. Get back. <laughs> get back uh, to what I used to be. It's <laughs> like, why is he asking about VR? <laughs> this is like such a weird segue. So uh, I knew something was always up. Always a setup. Always a setup. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I'm surprised you're here in meat space with us right now, you know, like this is, you sh- you really should be in cyberspace, but thanks, thanks for being here anyway. This guy's a beef boy. He loves meat space. <laughs> <laughs> I am a beef boy. So we should give a birthday shout out to the gas man who just had his birthday a couple days ago. So happy birthday, Greg. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thought he had another sound maybe clip. I started something <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should say the 90s Pulp Heroes Premium is out on Patreon right now we'll be coming to Bandcamp at the end of the week and that is our discussion about uh, Dick Tracy, the Rocketeer the Shadow and the Phantom cool and that was number 99 uh, on our series of premium podcasts. So we're hitting number 100 next, kind of kicking around Ooh. some ideas. <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted. I'm, I know you guys already gave us many, many suggestions uh, on the Patreon open thread not that long ago, but we'll, we'll try to find something fitting for number 100. Oh, so Jay, some news about uh, how to build a time machine. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, as of, as of tomorrow, you're going to be able to find online, online. Hi, I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to DJ. Wow, what does that mean? <laughs> that is all kinds of shit. Ahaha! Ahaha! Neo from the Matrix! Yes! You wouldn't say that to talk about it, would you? Brain! It's 
it's about man's inhumanity to me. Get back. Get back. <laughs> Tomorrow, How to Build a Time Machine is uh, hitting Blu-ray through Circle Collective, same distributor as Beauty Day. So it's going to be available for pre-order at vinegarsyndrome.com. That's pretty huge. Yeah. Any new features or anything else you want to tell us about this? Uh, there is... <clears throat> A commentary track. It's it's not a new one. It's the one I recorded uh, a while back. That's old. <laughs> I cut together a bunch of deleted scenes that uh, didn't make the film. Some of them are are substantial scenes. I know one of them. Frank is a fan of. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to check that out. I wish you would have put it back in the movie. I wish you would have put it back in this version, the definitive version of how to build a time machine. The one I saw many times. Um, a booklet and, uh, yeah, new artwork sleeve slip, slip cover the whole shebang. Very cool. Yeah. Is this like a limited, run as well or how does it work with these yeah i think they do i think they do a thousand with the slip cover and then there's a i don't know what the the count is for the non-slip cover edition but you want to get the slip cover edition tell you that much definitely so you can put it in a box under your stairs there are a lot of people regretting not getting the uh beauty day slip cover edition a lot of yeah. non-buying remorse. So, you know the rules. Hashtag buy, buy, buy. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Pop and don't preach. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, let me see here. What else do we have to talk about? So, okay, I guess it will be a new month, so there will be a new open thread going up for junk mail questions this week on Patreon. So, check that out. And I guess we should mention the Oscars are not that far off. Think not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So we haven't really <laughs> we haven't really said any official plans. I will commit and say I'm going to be in the Discord chat, hanging out. Just me. If Frank wants to be there, maybe wow. he'll show up too. But I'm not going to speak for him. Uh, but last wow. year we had a lot of fun, so that's that's something to look forward to. And I don't know we how we can do- live up to last year. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm not but, committing. Okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll also have the Oscar pool, the annual film junk Oscar pool, which I believe Falsk has already kind of set up, but um, I just have to share the link out. I'm just kind of waiting because most people don't do it until the last minute anyway. So I'll probably put it up next week. But uh, yeah, that's about it. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Got a few Oscar movies I want to catch up on still. So I'll have to do that. Okay. Anything else uh, you guys need to mention? No. No. I don't think so. All right. Well, let's give our hero shout out.
What'll it be, Frank? <laughs> I'm Big Frankie. <laughs> so this week's hero shout out is uh, Kenneth Sirigny. Sirigny, who uh, you know, obviously a name we have seen around many times. Longtime listener, longtime patron. And uh, this is our chance to just say thank you. Thank you for your support. Thanks for being a part of Film Junk. And um, I don't know. Frank, you got any words of wisdom? If you're ever on a premium with Jay and he says a certain actor is played by someone else and he gets it wrong, don't bring it up. He's going to go after you the next episode of the podcast. <laughs> He's just, it's going to be a lot of Frank's outboard. He's going to come at you hard. <laughs> What, which one was that? Just for perhaps the actor who portrayed Shoulders. Oh. Now he's back. He's getting back. I, I thought you meant getting pronunciation. Back. Get back to yeah. where I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I, I recommend everyone check out the Game Junk podcast, <laughs> the episode that just landed, because it's like you're seeing the song being written in real time. Like, it's just it's like amazing. the documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you should check it out too, because Frank goes into more detail about PSVR too. Uh, but uh, yes, Kenneth, thank you. You are a hero, sir. Thank you, Kenneth. And absolutely we appreciate it. Yes. If you'd like, to a name become, I've, like we've seen it so many times. How, how is this the first time we've mentioned Kenneth? Serenyi. I mean, I think he's asked junk mails many times in the oh, yeah. past, but um, yeah, if you'd like to become a hero, patreon.com slash film junk is where you can do that. So let's get into our first review, which is Cocaine Bear. And we've got a clip. Let's take a listen. Did you feed it cocaine? I think that's a yes. A bear did cocaine. Bears can't climb trees. Of course I can. Oh! oh man, you. What's wrong with that bear? Drugs, especially cocaine, are very, very bad. Cocaine bear. We have such good luck in nature. Home theaters, rated R. So, Cocaine Bear is directed by Elizabeth Banks. And stars uh, Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich, O'Shea Jackson Jr., and Ray Liotta. And the plot synopsis is, An oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converge on a Georgia forest where a huge black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. What did you guys think of Cocaine Bear? I uh, did oh. not enjoy Cocaine Bear at all. Uh, it was a statement we've been making a lot lately, but it's even more egregious in this film as being completely middle of the road. I feel like this is the most boring possible version of this movie. I could see a version where it's, I mentioned people I knew wanted to go see it. They thought it was going to be more like a Sharknado type thing, like a intentionally bad kind of movie. I could see another version that like really plays up the violence and like certain aspects of the humor, even drug humor. There's barely any drug humor in the movie. It's cocaine bear. It is just the most down the middle, boring version of this movie. I thought, well, there'll be some element that'll, 
they'll push the violence or even the special effects. I'd rather they leaned into them being bad than attempting to be good and still being bad. It feels like every decision of how to approach this material is wrong or the worst possible choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, it's, it's obviously a film designed on a concept and a catchy title and a poster that a lot of people seemingly have responded to the people in the theater. When I saw it, did you guys get uh, applause when the title cocaine bear came up? No, no. There was people in my theater that were like really loud and talkative in the first two minutes of the movie. And I was like, okay, this could be a problem, <laughs> but uh, like they were on cocaine. Is that why? Who knows? Yeah. Like they, they, <laughs> it was like an amped up crowd. They didn't clap, but there was an energy. And I would say mm-hmm. every person I've heard talk about the movie after, or my friends that went and saw it, they all disliked it. I've not met a person who was like, wow, that was really good or funny or That's anything. The funny thing. Like it, it, when I heard that, I thought, okay, here we go. This is the the crowd that wants to see the ironic movie and the meme, the meme movie. But that energy died out pretty quickly, and it, it just kind of got boring. <laughs> I think for everyone, um, <clears throat> there, whenever the first sort of um, moments with cocaine were on screen, some people in the audience were like, "Oh, yeah." Dude. <laughs> There's a lot of cocaine heads in the audience, but eventually once you start meeting all of these characters, the number of characters there are in this film, this picture, way too many characters, and we don't get to know any of them on any real level. And it's not necessarily a requirement for a movie like this to have some in like really deep character development, but at least archetypes, you know, at least like, some give us something to care about anything that's happening on the screen. If you can't do that, then it better be gory, it better be funny, better be entertaining and fun. And there is some gore. There's one scene that I liked, and it involved an ambulance, ambulance, yeah. ambulance. Yeah. and that was a great scene. But the characters, like you seeing, um, is it Brooklyn Prince? Prince, yeah, I think so. From Florida Project, she's great. She's like gone for most of the movie. She's not in it very much. And even that device, that plot device, is so quick and does not make any sense. Like it, it makes so so little sense logistically that they kind of like pass over it in hopes that you won't think about it too much. And all of these people gathering, they all have like, it's one of those movies where they all are kind of wanting to find something. There's a cop that wants to recover the cocaine. There's the drug dealers that want to get to the cocaine. There's the, uh, like the teenagers who are causing trouble in the, in the park park ranger park ranger and her pal. There's the uh, Ray Liotta side of things with the kid that, what's his name's kid that he's looking after that's suddenly not in the picture. Like, where's this kid now? It is just so many characters and so little to work with. And unfortunately, the bear stuff, that was the easy win. Like, it, it was an easy win to have some pretty 
funny, ridiculous stuff with the bear. And it just falls flat, fails big time. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I like the ambulance scene. Didn't mind kind of the standoff thing at the gazebo. There's some stuff there that was kind of interesting, but the rest of it was pretty dull. I mean, there's, I don't know if you mentioned, there's also the Carrie Russell storyline where she's trying to find her kids. Like that stuff was just not fun at all. And I mean, I, Frank, I mean, you really were angry uh, with the bear when they drugged some kids for, for laughs on that show. I mean, how are you feeling about the uh, kids doing cocaine and cocaine bear? <laughs> uh, I definitely remembered that and thought of it as it was happening. It's There's a difference, Sean. These were kids doing drugs naively, not adults drugging them and not caring. There is, there is a difference. Yeah, I think they also... It's it's kind of like a gray area because they kind of spit, spit it out. out. Yeah. So well, that's like, that's this whole high? that's this really whole know, movie. But... It's doing drugs as a kid and then spitting it out, and you're not even sure if it matters or not. That that is the whole movie in in ten seconds. Uh, He's right. <laughs> the <laughs> the other thing that it made me think of besides the bear is horrible bosses. Was the movie I was reminded of, and perhaps not coincidentally, there's a poster of Jason Bateman in in the young uh, girl's room. And like a lot of people have said, it's just kids swearing, which is even more interesting to me because what's the Florida project girl's name? Brooklyn Prince Prince Prince. She swears once in the Florida project. And it's one of my favorite child swearing moments of all time. And she's way funnier and like a bad, like not a bad kid, but like kind of bad in the beginning of that movie. And she's like, you are shit. I will remember that for the rest of my life. I will remember anything she said in this movie at all. Uh, and they're really trying to push kids swearing as the, the comedic uh, staple of the first 20 minutes, I would say. And kids doing stuff they're not Especially supposed the, to do. the blonde kid. Yeah. It, it's, it's, this is not funny at all. And the ambulance scene, I am, at that point, I, I liked it. But I was so desperate for anything to latch on to. I, I don't know if it was a different movie, if I would have cared that much about the ambulance scene. This, I, I think a version of this movie, even that does practical effects or like in bad uh, like substitutions with the bear, like uh, almost veering into physical Sharknado territory, could have been more funny. Even the, the violence when someone gets shot in an impactful way, that looked terrible. Uh, I, I think there's, when I bought my tickets, the person said, Oh, I'll enjoy the movie. I'm like, oh, I hope so. I, I don't, don't have good feelings. <laughs> and they're like, well, they've already announced a sequel, which I think is true. Right. I'm, I don't know. I didn't see that, which is, but I, I mean, I'm not surprised. It will not do well because no one seems to like this movie. Uh, but, and it, what's the guy's name? It's so weird to me. I think we invented like the buying, not selling award for this actor after Hail Caesar. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah. Like we thought this guy was going to be the next big deal. And then Solo happened and he disappeared. Like it is so weird to see him back when we were like riding high on this guy after Hail Caesar. Uh, it, it's very strange. But oh, and then starting the movie with Jane by Jefferson Starship. Elizabeth Banks is in Wet Hot American Summer. Like that, 
that show owns that song and that movie. Yeah. You, you cannot take that song. I, I didn't mind a few of the other songs, like the Depeche Mode song with the ambulance, I thought worked. Warrior by Scandal thing. was in 80 for Brady as well. So, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how you can handle like the two movies coming out in close proximity, but that it, it does say something. Is it, <clears throat> isn't the song like a reference? I, I I don't know what the song is. I read some. I just saw on Twitter that someone said, "Oh, uh, I assume know, it's wet hot uh, American shout summer." Shout out to wet hot American summer. Re- there's a reference at the beginning of Cocaine Bear, but I oh I maybe, maybe the 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 person in the plane is in that show or movie. I'm not sure. It just when we talk about things owning a song, I, I think I think that the person in the owned. plane was was Matthew Reese. Who is there's a bit of uh Americans stunt casting there because he was in the Americans with Carrie Russell. But is he in Wet Hot American Summer? I don't think so. Yeah. So I, I mean I've seen a, most of that stuff. I if it was lost on me that that song was an actual direct reference to something, I can't imagine how it played with the rest of the audience. And they were probably really pissed about reusing the song too. Oh, the rest of the audience was losing it in my theater. They were like, what the fuck, dude? I don't even know what this is referencing, but I know it's been used somewhere. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, uh, something else that's kind of interesting, like, you you were right that it it did well this weekend, Frank. Like, it made $23 which is, like, for a movie like this, that's not bad. And, uh, you know... A lot of people are talking about the the comeback of high concept movies between this, Megan, Plane. I think there's like a couple others last year that you know you can sell a movie, an original movie, uh, if you just kind of have like a cool concept and a good trailer. And like I'm not against that. I'm kind of like you know if this is you know at least they're they are kind of original movies, but you know you gotta back up the concept with something cool. And this one kind of didn't do that. So, I mean, it's like, uh, 80 for Brady. Someone, someone high concept. Yeah. Like just, it's sells itself. It, it's feels like cocaine bear is just one of those sort of, uh, sanitized for a broad audience, uh, projects that in the hands of a filmmaker, in a studio and a lower stakes, you know, return would be better because there wouldn't be as much concern about being tasteless in it, even though there is some stuff that's tasteless in in this, but anything tasteless in this feels like it's just so self-aware of how tasteless it is. And it just doesn't go far enough for it to be, to, to, to garner any sort of response at all beyond the, the, joke of the premise i did you know, not was, laugh once me neither I think, I think i only laughed at the ambulance scene but um I, I was reminded a bit of snakes on a plane like do you guys remember when that came out and it was kind of like you know i guess mm-hmm. it was a little bit before the idea of memes kind of selling a movie or something like that but certainly there was an ironic appreciation for the title and the concept but then it kind of bombed in theaters, or at least that's what people said. Uh, looking at it now, it made sixty-two million worldwide. So I don't know. It, it, 
cocaine bear might make a little more than that in the long run. But, um, but I just think that things have changed now that people are so much more online than they were even back in 2006 to the point where you can just have one funny trailer or video or poster and that could sell a movie and people will actually go see it. So I, I think we are going to see more of that. I think there but will be like a, a thing emerging though, where trying to do something that's intentionally viral, young people will pick up on that. Like it has to be them choosing that it's going to go viral. Like the minions thing. It, it's not about, we're going to make this thing be a, a viral hit. I'm sure it will do okay, but it's definitely not going to have the legs of things that those communities evolve organically over TikTok and stuff like that. This is not going to be that. Like no one would have predicted the the Wednesday dance was going to be something that made the show huge, right? It was not a calculated attempt. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Like there has to be buy-in from the audience and kind of claiming it as their own but even that is interesting because i feel like it didn't really even make the show huge it made jenna ortega huge you know like it it was removed from the show i bet half the people that have been repeating that dance on tiktok have not watched the show or at least the entirety of the show um so it, it kind of organically came out of that, but it wasn't even, it's not like that, that show actually benefited. I mean, I'm sure it got more attention than it would have without that, but I feel like it's really Jenna Ortega that's benefited from that. Yeah. But, but I, th this, I think I remember I mean, hearing at one point Wednesday was like really highly streamed and one of the high, like yeah. the highest stream show on Netflix last year. Yeah, I think it is. I don't know if the dance specifically is responsible for that. Like, I mean, it, hit, it ticks a lot of boxes, right? Like, there's a lot of audiences that it, it can appeal to. So, I think that's part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the idea of being very online, that sums up a lot of movie making now. And I feel like it, in particular, sums up comedies just everyone talks like w w when we talked about um, Ryan Johnson and glass onion and his way of writing and how it feels very informed by someone who's on Twitter all the time and is making references that are almost direct shout outs to the people that follow him on Twitter and like the, the sort of collective cultural impact of, of being very online and, how that has affected how people talk. It has affected comedy, like the, in combination with the, the still lingering effects of the office and, um, you know, some of the shows and films that were really curb your enthusiasm, really like picking apart the minutia of social interaction that that's in this movie as well. You know, like it, it's very, it is a very online movie and it, it offers not, it doesn't really offer anything beyond that. Yeah. I mean, it is based on a true story, but I mean, I'm, I, I don't think there's much more to the true story other than a bear ate some cocaine. <laughs> I don't think there was a rampage. I don't think there was anything else. So, uh, yeah. I, I was confused as well about what the film is saying because it starts with the, 
drug PSAs from the 80s. And this is set in the 80s. I don't know if we mentioned that. But so we're seeing these PSAs that feel very dated and are, you know, kind of funny. And and those PSAs would be, you know, uh, contemporary PSAs to the characters in the film. But by playing those PSAs, it's it's not like it's it's not like the film is making a comment on the failure of the drug war uh, and, you know, the the ways in which trying to battle drugs affected the country negatively or or even like the idea of uh, a, the government and public relaxing in regards to certain drugs and having an op- more open mind about people who are affected by drug abuse and addicted to drugs i i just don't get what the film is is getting at and i wouldn't be asking that question if they didn't start with those psas because starting with those psas makes it seem like look how lame it was back in the 80s but at the same time it's like cocaine was a big thing in the 80s so we want to make that joke as well it i just don't get the point i don't think it's saying anything but how i would interpret it is like coke is cool again is a general sentiment with that type of stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's a big deal with younger people. That's the vibe I got to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it was just for a laugh really like, uh, you know, cause those um, PSAs just seem so kind of quaint now, I guess. Uh, but like, I, you know, I think you're right. There could have been an interesting movie there if they did try to dig into some of that a little bit. You know, or just don't touch anything political about drugs, you know, like just, just let the story play because you're not going to deliver any meaningful message with this film. I guess what I don't try, don't start it by trying to suggest that this is like commentary on where we were at with Nancy Reagan in the eighties and say no to drugs. Like go screw dude. (laughs) I thought it was more about just comedic nostalgia drug PSAs and setting, setting this story in the eighties. I don't think it was a commentary necessarily. I mean, the fact that it plays outside of the film, like it plays on screen as though this is a message like the text that comes up talking about bears. It's similar to that. It's delivering information. It's not part of the story. If it was a character watching one of those PSAs on screen in the film, that would feel subtly different because it would be like, this is the era. They're in that era. But they're they're giving us those PSAs outside of the body of the actual story. And it, it just made me wonder what the point was. But maybe yeah, that's just me. I, think- I was losing it. I was absolutely <laughs> losing it in the theater. What is the point of this? I think the only way that figures in at all really is when you see the kids discover the cocaine and there's like a little bit like i don't know if they really reference it but there's a little bit of like that feeling that they've been they've had this uh this anti-drug stuff kind of uh shown to them and it's they're aware of it it's affecting the way they think about drugs but they're still going to try it <laughs> so i mean I would have been would have been more effective if the kids had seen a psa but I'm going to stop there because I'm getting a little too angry. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I had this thought it's pretty tangential. I don't want to get too Uh serious here. 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> I liked 80 for Brady. I'll talk about it and what we watched. But between seeing Ant-Man, that, and this, I was starting to think legitimately art is dead or specifically <laughs> like movies as an art form might be dead. And it's almost like movies are becoming old network TV and all the stuff with uh, Top Gun and the there is generally a huge... I'm like theater uh, explosion in popularity. Like when I go to see movies now, they're way more full than they used to be before the pandemic. Uh, Like 80 for Brady was full. There was only one screening that day, but it was full. And I feel like the general populace part of it is dumbing down these movies and just making them. I don't know. There's there's nothing to them anymore. They're just palatable for everyone. And I kind of think art is dead between movies and AI art is dead yeah well i i certainly like the the trailers before the movie just sitting there watching them i felt like i was thinking to myself this is the industry that i have pursued like the the industry that still is making talking dog movies uh, is still like this is still what people want to watch and it is yeah it's aesthetically like the the whole first like 20 minutes of going to the theater is a barrage of aesthetically disgusting uh visuals and material trying to sell you either products or films and it's all depressing (laughs) and i mean luckily there are films that you end up seeing that are that buck that sort of uh expectation but it is an interesting reminder when, you know, you hit that special type of film where all of the trailers ahead of it are designed to kind of, you know, sell this type of crowd on the next thing. And all of those next things are just like the lamest shit ever. Yeah. Even the look of movies in general, like this looked okay. This, the CG wasn't great and some of the other elements, but I remember I never really cared about this idea of preserving film rather than digital, but I think at least what's good about people caring about film is that it at least maintains this idea that we want the digital version to still look like film where I feel like that's gone. It's just whatever, shoot it on a camera. uh, We'll process it in color processing and some other stuff and we're good to go. Like there's that it's actually lost the art of photography along the way as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's, I I think where it fails maybe is that there's not a consideration, uh, uh, in, in regards to the, the content of a film, the themes of a film, the intent of a film that dictates whether it's shot on film or digitally, there for a certain section of Hollywood or whatever, it's just always going to be digital. Even if like, look at uh Mank. like obviously Fincher is in love with digital and that was his choice, but there are other films like that where you're, you're telling a period piece and you know, it, it feels cold and digital and aesthetically, uh, at odds with what you're watching on the screen in terms of the story. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes it feel cheap. It, it certainly cheapens it. There are people that can shoot digitally really effectively, but 
as a tool, it's just like even the most basic filmmaking in the 80s, like Three Fugitives. Three Fugitives can look pretty fucking nice. Dick Tracy would be is shot digitally like now. an amazing looking movie. And it was pop entertainment, mm-hmm. like marketed blockbuster fare, just like Cocaine Bear. But there was still artistry in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was like an extended SNL digital short. Yeah. It's a good comparison. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this before too, but like it's the idea that there's no crossover between like what a mainstream audience wants and what like a, like a cinephile audience wants. You know what I mean? Like there's not, there's no um, populist auteurs making movies. And so you only get like just mainstream empty popcorn flicks and then the art films, which nobody sees because nobody wants to be challenged or at least, you know, from the average moviegoer and there's just nothing in between. So even those get less budget to make the best version of those movies. So it, it, it might be done. I was, I had found myself wondering like, what is the next art form? I don't think we even know what it is yet between AI and how people are using AI for comedy. Uh, I guess it's somewhat good for comedy. It creates a distance between like comedy's definitely dead as there's tends to always be the butt of a joke when there's a joke. Uh, so AI creates a distance with that stuff. Like it's not, it's a computer saying these things, not uh, a person. And I don't know where that's going to go, but I feel like there's something is going to emerge from all this that we need to get ahead of. Like, it's the next wave of comedy. Is no, the AI next generated? wave of, of art. I don't think we know what it is. I think all these old it's forms YouTube. are dying. It's YouTube. It's general general anesthetic videos. It's uh, <laughs> unboxing videos. It's long form camping videos. This is the new art form. It might be. Yeah. TikTok. I mean, some of that stuff is interesting, but I feel like it's not for me at this point. And I know I've said this before, but I'm having a real tough time focusing on stuff like in general. At home, less so in the theater, which is why I generally like going to the movies now. But uh, I don't know if it's reflective of content or me, but it probably more so me uh, and, and the world. But it's, it's weird. I've never felt this way about stuff before. Cocaine Bear killed the year of cinema 2022 it's over <laughs> we're done we peaked yeah yeah was nope shot digitally or on film film hmm. i was gonna say i thought that was digital and it looked amazing so tar i'm assuming was film uh which one tar tar was film i'm pretty sure right i believe so yeah knock at the cabin was film bones and all do we know I think it was. I'm not 100% sure, but. Because I hadn't even, I'm thinking of my top five from last year, aside from some obvious stuff that's digital. It's, I never really clued in that all that stuff might have been shot on film. I mean, it's, it's also a lot easier to tell or to, to reap the benefits of film at home now. Digital proje- projection is so bad in in some not all cases but in many cases that you know the picture is just so dim and so washed out that you can't really 
tell sometimes what what's shot on film and what isn't un unless the film the the things shot on film has a grain structure to it that is identifiable in the theater and i don't want to come off like a complete hero here with this talk of art i watched the wrong missy last night and i loved it i watched 80 for brady and i really enjoyed it so it's not that there is no place for strange or you know just fun for the sake of fun movies but this should have been one of those movies and it wasn't even that yeah yeah i mean you know we i watched tons of garbage that doesn't doesn't have me thinking like oh I, this film sucks movies suck like all the trash that vinegar syndrome puts out and you know you'd think that cocaine bear would have more going for it than some of that stuff but i think the thing that a lot of that stuff has going for it not all of it but some of it is a passion to get something on the screen and tell a story even if the person doesn't have what it takes to do the job cocaine bear is just so obviously uh algorithm designed film yeah and it's interesting because i feel like that's i feel like the studios are starting to learn from like the streaming services that this is how you sell a movie now is you just like design something to be a meme or design like something to to hit an algorithm and uh so now it's kind of changing theatrical stuff too you cannot design a meme that's the first rule if celebrity apprentice <laughs> know, taught us I anything <laughs> i remember i tried to design a meme and it did not catch on i don't remember <laughs> what true. it was Is now that the but... starship troopers one yes yes i don't remember what the context was but you might have to give it Me another neither. shot mm -hmm. um, uh, okay yeah any other thoughts on cocaine bear hmm. certainly not <laughs> i mean just uh, the mother when she learns that her daughter and you know this is one of those movies where it can be like well it's cocaine bear dude come on but they're spending a lot of time with the characters you know they're doing a lot of work to like get us to know these people and when the mother hears that her daughter was taken away by a bear she her response is like where did where did it go where where okay let's go find her and then they start finding the paint along the way the trail she is so level-headed and seemingly unfazed by her daughter having been <laughs> taken away by a bear like the first the thing that she this idea that her first thought is that okay she's somewhere in a like she was taken somewhere and is being held hostage by the bear we have to go find her rather than immediately concluding that the bear would have killed her and eaten her i don't understand that logic i don't even understand why the bear didn't kill and eat her is because they the bear had cubs and is like yeah i don't know like motherly? i was even, I was <laughs> I even thinking know. like is it because the, like the kids are high on cocaine that they were able to survive like i really well, if anything know. then they should smell like Wait, cocaine that, and yeah, the, yeah that's true <laughs> the bear would want it more yeah i do remember thinking that about the, the young girl yeah yeah i don't know and why why i mean if the daughter is the one that's taken and they have to find her then the reason for that would be to have the mother 
affected by that in a way that's interesting and driven to save her daughter. But you don't really get any of that because she she hardly shows any emotion at all. So if that's the case, why not like have the friend taken away and have the mother and daughter bond over trying to find him? And then we get more time with the mother and daughter getting to know each other or getting to know them and their relationship rather than the mother and this random kid for the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm sorry, Sean. Okay. Don't apologize. So is this Ray Liotta's final film then? Yeah, dedicated in loving memory yeah. to Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk that about was maybe the dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was the roughest part. <laughs> yeah, when that came up, I was like, whoa, that's that's where we end. <laughs> the combination of that coming up and that being his last thing and the fact that likely the majority of the audience was like, who the fuck is Ray Liotta? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what are you guys going to give Cocaine Bear out of five stars? I'll give it a 1.5. I will give it a one. I will give it a two. And we're going to move on and get to uh, a review of Women Talking. And we've also got a clip from this. Let's say, listen. What if the men who are in prison are not guilty? Mother. Oh, oh child. Why are you asking if they're... Shush. We caught one of them. Ah! I saw him. But only one. Yes, only one, but he named the others. But what if he was lying? We must consider this. No. No, that is not our responsibility because we aren't in charge of whether or not they are punished. We know that we've been attacked by men, not by ghosts or Satan, as we were led to believe for so long. We know that we've not imagined these attacks, that we were made unconscious with cow tranquilizer. We know that we are bruised and infected and pregnant and terrified and insane and some of us are dead. We know that we must protect our children regardless of who is guilty. So Women Talking is directed by Sarah Pauly and stars Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, uh, Jesse Buckley, and Francis McDormand. And the plot synopsis is, Do nothing, stay and fight, or leave. In 2010, the women of an isolated religious community grapple with reconciling a brutal reality with their faith. What did you guys think of women talking? Frank, I'll, I'll, I can go again if you... Well, I went first last yeah. time. Oh, did you? Oh, fuck it, man. I'm going to go first then. <laughs> um, I really liked women talking. I, I got like really um, 12 Angry Men style, like people hashing something out in a, a space and the sort of intricacies of the debate about how they're going to resolve the issue that they're facing in their colony. Um, the idea of that conversation happening in a, like a contemporary setting that is also a setting that's representative of the, the long past uh, creates a really interesting dynamic when it comes to conversations that are relevant outside of their colony but the colony works as a microcosm of the bigger conversations that have been going on for the last 10 years 
um, or longer than that, but you know, really the last uh, little while. And I, I at first was kind of, I, I'm not in love with the look of the film and it, uh, the trailer really put me off and, but it does do some interesting work in terms of helping separate this colony from the world and give us giving a sense that I, I didn't know it was it took place in 2010 and for the first bit i was like okay it was almost like the village you know? well, it is that's um, <laughs> so if we're going to talk about that i didn't know if that was spoiler or not because i, I didn't know if i missed something it, I, it's based on a true story uh and it happened in 2006 to 7 i think right but it happened but in it, a it different was the country, moment when right? bolivia yeah and it, it was the moment that the horse and cart was driving away and i the orange triangle was on the back yeah i didn't clue I in like, oh, until the the census truck came around and I, I i don't i didn't like it as much as you uh i'm still i watched it yesterday i'm still unsure ultimately how i feel about it a perfect example would be the look of the picture which i just aesthetically do not like but i kind of appreciate that it made a bold choice like that like it's it's an intentionally bold choice but aesthetically I, I find it very ugly but uh it's also the the way they shoot the the barn I, I don't know if it's like a screen or a green screen with anything outside the barn door it just looked really fake um and to speak about the the 2010 stuff as it was first happening and I, this criticism still stands in some senses I was really not liking the movie because it felt like this dialogue. I was like, this, this is, this is taking current day discussions and they don't feel like they match this community at all. Like if I'm going back, I, I was putting myself back in time. So when that reveal happens, it kind of reframed everything. I'm like, well, this does kind of make sense because um, the one I can't remember the character's name. She leaves and comes back at some point. Like they have exposure to other things going on in the world. So it's not completely out of context, these conversations and just having uh, quote unquote relevant conversations in an old era, the framing of it within one of these communities in 2010. I agree with Jay. That's what I like about the movie. And I like the initial setup, like the the drawings and voting and all that stuff. It's It's an intriguing premise, but the dialogue itself, I found pretty heavy-handed. It didn't feel that natural in the context of this uh, group. And especially when there's moments like in terms of like at one moment referencing their education level and then, but they're talking very profoundly at other moments as well. Like it felt very written. The movie it reminded me of is Doubt, which I haven't seen in a long time. Like that, it reminded me of the end of Doubt in a lot of ways, which... I thought was also a little heavy handed. Uh, so the performances, the ones that people seem to be really enjoying in the movie are my, I like Jesse Buckley a lot. I wasn't as crazy about uh, Claire Foy. I really liked Rooney Mara. I thought she was like, had a very understated performance with a lot of range. And there was a lot more to that character going on. The other characters are relatively one note. They all kind of represent in like a 12, angry men sense the um 
like a certain personality, uh, almost a caricature of a personality within this dynamic of this discussion. But yeah, overall, I, I guess I thought I was going to like it more. It it, it kind of felt a little stagey, and I don't know. I, I, I the premise I like it, it was it was okay for me. Well, yeah, the stagey thing's interesting because I kind of watched this movie kind of thinking and assuming it was based on a play, uh, which it wasn't. Single but, location film? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. But it's interesting because I actually thought it was doing some interesting things in terms of cinematography, like in the first 10 minutes or so when it's setting things up. I just thought there were some interesting shots there and and I was kind of like digging that. But then once they get to the barn and the conversations start happening, it really felt not that interesting visually. Um, but I did like the conversations quite a bit. And, you know, I do kind of enjoy movies like this where it's just a lot of back and forth kind of philosophical debate and you kind of get into the characters and the different viewpoints. It did feel a little circular at times. Maybe that was partially the point. Uh, But like where you kind of keep coming back, you say one thing and eventually you find yourself back at the original point that was made. Um, But but with the conversation, I do feel like it was a little less practical than it would have been in reality. I feel like there could have been, it could have been very direct about like what the, the, when they're doing pros and cons, like actually talking about those more practically, that's the part that's uh, circular is they, the pros and cons are kind of the same thing. And I, I feel like there could have been a way to make it more allegorical with talking about their specific situation where the dialogue feels generally on the nose with everything and more like just a general societal conversation which i guess i just wish it was um masked a bit with uh, their particular situation rather than it felt like they were talking about society which that's what the movie's about i i get it it's not like it's not like that's lost on me i just thought within the context of the situation in the movie it it, it wasn't that contextual yeah they uh, so and they kind of there's there's a choice made to not really show any of the other men in the community which I thought worked for the most part. Um, I did, you know, there's the character played by Ben Wishaw, which I, I thought his performance out of all of them, I was a little bit kind of iffy on him, but I'm I like the, I, I like the idea of his character being there. Like, I guess it's just, you know, like, I don't think it has to be there. Like, I don't think there has to be like this straight up representation of like, Hey, not all men are like this or whatever. Like, I don't think that has to be there, but uh, the idea that there is hope and that there's something to work towards uh, that I like. And I guess just that some, there was a kind of like an outsider to their conversation to sometimes bounce things off of. Um, so I did like all that. Um, and I guess one thing I wanted to bring up with the conversation. So like a lot of the conversation revolves around faith and religion. And so obviously this is a community, a religious community, and there's a lot of debate over like, you know, so they've been uh, basically raped and abused by all the men in the community over and over again, and they want to leave. But then there's this thing of like, well, you can stay if you forgive the men. And so this idea of forgiveness being this important thing. And it's kind of tricky to wrap your head around some of it. Like, just, I guess, if you're not religious, because you're kind of like, like, that's not a factor. <laughs> like, who cares about that, you know? But like, 
they do kind of make a point, I guess, of like wanting to kind of almost create their own version of the religion and kind of like um, start their own teachings, which I think is an interesting solution and one that makes sense. But it's just, I kind of kept getting, and I feel like some of the characters, they keep getting caught on that idea of like, well, but we have to forgive them because this, this, and this, like we won't go to heaven. And, and it's kind of like, well, th that's the whole thing. Like that's, you, you can't uh, separate that from this story. The whole reason they are in the position they're in is because of their faith. And that's not to say that it, it doesn't uh, translate over to people who aren't religious, who are in similar situations of abuse and, you know, trying to figure out how to get out of their situations but it's not like like they're 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 trying to figure out how to deal with this within the world that they exist in it's not a question of like i think maybe one character might be questioning her faith claire foy's character but everyone else is just you know trying to figure out what the definition of forgiveness is well that's not do we need to forgive them that's the context I think that's kind of missing. Like I thought I would imagine this conversation would get into specifics of the religion a bit more and almost like be dissecting it as a commentary on religion uh, within the, how close that relationship is to them. So I didn't get that sense with it. Again, it felt more like a general societal commentary than a, uh, an analysis of their specific situation. There's some of that there. Like, I don't think it's, it's not there at all. I just, it, it, it felt, like I said, just too on the nose with everything. I, I thought there was some pretty interesting stuff about forgiveness. You know, the idea, someone mentions the idea of um, bad forgiveness, you know, like forgiving someone and that forgiveness having a negative effect on them and because they don't learn anything or they don't take, uh, you know, uh, any sort of responsibility for their actions. And then it comes up again, interestingly, when discussing the children and the idea of trying to define at what age a young boy can be uh, taught to not do the things that their fathers are doing. And that in itself is, is a sort of forgiveness that they're attempting to wrap their heads around like where, what that cutoff line is. Um, so maybe forgiveness is the wrong entry point for that idea. It is like more about like what Sean was saying, the specifics of the religion uh, and how that plays into forgiveness. I, I didn't get a sense of what that means to them. Well, they, they say if they, they're not allowed into the kingdom of heaven, if they don't forgive, but every religion has, so, or people who are religious have like, like specificity of how that works or how it doesn't. I, I just don't think the movie selective, like in, sorry, intentionally does not go there. Uh, but the thing I, I did like about the conversation is uh, who's the, the older actress. I think uh, she's Canadian um, shot in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, but I love when they finally decide what they're going to do. This woman basically explains why they need to come to the conclusion they need to. And I think how they get to the conclusion 
is the 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 part that works the most for me in the movie like it, it makes sense the rationale uh it it really worked in terms of the decision making process like that character kind of pulled everything together to me it's the same character that kind of talks about the 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 horse and buggy element and analogies which remind me of parenthood a bit in the the roller coaster but uh it uh it that was my the part that resonated the most with me yeah i don't like i don't want to sound like i don't didn't want religion in this movie like yes that is a big part of it and i think it does kind of delve into it in some interesting ways but i think it's also kind of like you know they one thing that's interesting they kind of pick apart this idea of like like they're aware that part of the reason why this is happening is because they've been trained to think a certain way. The men have been trained to think a certain way. Like there's just these kind of power structures in place as a result of, you know, culture and society and whatever. But that like, it's weird because like religion is kind of a part of that too. And I don't know if that's fully kind of acknowledged, but like, I I don't know. Well, I I think the fact that this story takes place in a Mennonite community is the thing that makes religion a part of it. Right. I, I, and, yeah, I, this like is it. what I liked about it is you get, you both get the commentary on modern society and things that are happening now, but you also get the feeling of having a window into the past and thinking about like, for those women in this story, this is a big shift for them. Like they, they're, they're talking about, seeing places in the world they've never seen before starting their own colonies uh you know they're they're thinking it's like the, a big movement that could potentially change their way of living uh from that point on and that doesn't mean they're going to ditch their religion it just means they're going to refine their the way they process elements of their religion there's that whole section where they talk about forgiveness and why they need to forgive to get into the heaven into heaven and questioning you know god wouldn't need us to forgive to get into the kingdom of heaven um you know they start questioning that that they've been taught um and i think even the idea of uh what's his name august staying behind to teach the kids they're kind of like suggesting okay well can you kind of incorporate this better way of of thinking and i assume august is the one that's he's the one that's taking the minutes because he can read and write but i also imagine he's a bit of an outsider in the community because he can read and write i mean he even is with the women in the barn talking about the words he uses um so it does feel like it's a a paradigm shift within this colony that does is reflected in the the religion and the the way that they have to reinterpret elements of their religion based on what has been happening to them yeah i mean yeah there's there's there was something else i can't remember exactly what it was but i thought it was really interesting uh but yeah i mean it's it, it literally is like, as with cocaine bear, it is what the title says it is. <laughs> it is women talking for, you know, the majority of this film. And you do get a few quick glimpses of, you know, maybe the, 
the atrocities that have happened and and sort of their daily lives but mostly it is them just in this barn and uh and i thought that worked you know like i thought that was an interesting way to kind of just address these issues um the the other way religion plays into it is these women aren't just raped and told to deal with it they're gaslit into thinking that it's their fault that they're hysterical women they're uh i can't remember the exact words they used but that they were um they they said it was ghosts coming in they said it was you know women having hysterical nightmares evil spirits, and demons or something like that. evil spirits and so the religion plays a little bit into that as well but i feel like it doesn't have to be religion either because it can be that can be anything that can be anyone kind of gaslighting um a victim into believing that somehow it's partially their fault for for something happening but um without the religion side of things i don't think that that manipulation is as potent for for this story because it's representative of bigger things and i i think it's representative of the idea of a systemic issue like it's designed into their this particular colony's life you know so they they have to fight against the entire system of their colony in order to address it yeah i think that's my ultimate criticism it feels like it's more about like general systemic issues as a whole rather than within the specificity of this community and uh i think that's the point of the movie i just was always thinking about that while i was listening to people like i don't know i wanted to hear more about this very specific situation less uh, about it as commentary and i i would graft the the commentary on myself Uh, like i I, that's that's what i didn't like about the writing in it i mean for better or worse the movie i don't think is intending to be in any in any sort of like uh clear reality like it is it is a movie that's set in a place it's based on something that happened it's there's a there's a line we should say at the beginning of the movie it says specifically like in an is an imaginative world or something like that or i think it's like a a work of female imagination i believe yeah which Uh, i was confused because i thought it was based on a true story but then when i saw that i was like what does that mean but i think it just ultimately means the conversations that happen and the decision that happens is probably not exactly what played out in reality, but like sort of the backdrop to it is kind of based on a true story. Yeah. They're using, she was using a a real story to, as the occasion to have a, uh, theatrical sort of presentation of what the, the kind of conversation might be had in a situation like this i think in the real the real story the women testified against the men in court i don't think it was them gathering to have this conversation and and figure out what to do but um what when i talk about like yeah like specificity and context to the situation the idea of stay and fight i didn't get a sense of what stay and fight means in this situation i feel like that that would be talked about in this conversation. Like what does, what does fight mean in the context of this? Is it going to court? Is it something else? Like I, I, I didn't get a sense of what that meant. 
that would that I would mean, be I relevant i gathered what that meant was not like we're gonna have a big battle but we're gonna push back against this and we're gonna say we don't want this anymore you can't do that to us anymore you know actually engaging with them to attempt to either f make them stop or convince them to stop or you know show them what they've been doing that's wrong um like pushing back against against what's what everyone thinks is okay that's been happening to them uh versus them just sneaking away in the middle of the night yeah i mean it is a little bit unclear just because like i think there's at least the one woman i think who's like actually physically physically tried to like attack the men in response um but i did think that it was more just like a versus stay and just accept what's happening like stay but try to make changes forgive it's like stay and forgive stay and don't forgive leave yeah. and claire foy's character is is the one that's that represents the person who wants action like it, it she has that moment where she attacks the one guy and um because her daughter has been raped yeah but like uh just on what you were saying before frank i do like like i think it's an interesting idea the way like i think you know people there's a lot of talk these days about like systemic issues and like how do you wrap your head around like when there's a problem with you know society and just things we're taught kind of that we're not even aware we're being taught but i think by setting it in this community it's kind of an easy way easier way anyway to visualize what that means right because they have a small group of people they have a set of rules that they live by like thinking about that kind of and then putting that against like the real world is kind of uh an easy way to illustrate that point i think which i, I think it works i, I agree that's that also a way a way to illustrate that even within a society closed off from the modern world these instincts rise to the surface and their religion is a, is a part of that and just like it's a part of that in the real world but uh, I, I just feel like that sort of ability to tell this story in a setting that seems um, a hundred, like it's taking place 150 years ago, uh, suggests that you're looking at early days of women pushing back and having agency, um, but then reminding yourself, oh wait, this is 2010 and it's actually relevant to conversations that have been had for the last five years or more online yeah i felt like the des desaturation was like heavier at the beginning and maybe they leaned off of it a little bit as the film went on i it's think it has maybe i don't know. I think it has something to do with there's definitely an element of sunlight entering the barn as that door opens and there's like a, a a nighttime element and then a dawn where it's lit differently. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that light source. Yeah. I liked the um, uh, August teaching Rooney Mara's character how to find South. And then uh, the image of her showing the other 
younger women how to do that that just happens to look like a bunch of women putting their fist in the air which reads as like a defiance but it's also a practical thing i thought it was an interesting kind of double meaning yeah sure man i was confused okay. by the ending i don't think we need a spoiler discussion but uh there was a scale to the ending and referencing some of the conversations they had i i was i didn't know if i was supposed to be processing how this played out or not i, I can't really talk about it without getting into specifics but i was confused hmm. okay Okay. <laughs> we could take this. We should offline. say it's it's narrated by uh, the younger, the one younger character. That was another thing that gave the initial impression that you're seeing something that took place a long time ago, because it's a younger voice, seemingly writing something to the the future yeah. daughter of one of the women. So it it makes it feel like this is generational but it's it's not yep this thing sings it's just i left this thing feeling how do you think i felt leaving this thing energized electric <laughs> no okay. i didn't feel electric but it, it was good i liked it cool any other thoughts on women talking nope has anybody seen no. any of Sarah Pauly's other films other than that documentary? I think that's the only one I've seen. I saw Take oh, This no. Waltz. Take This Waltz, right. Haven't seen Away From Her. Me neither. That's her only other feature. Yeah. Cool. All right. What do you guys... I should mention a uh, super wide frame. I think uh, it's like two point eight or to one or something or like a, a extremely wide image oh there's one music drop in the movie that i really liked mm -hmm. yep uh, i'll give it a heavy four i'm a light three i am a four all right let's move on to other things we watched did you guys uh, get a chance to watch any other movies TV shows, YouTube videos you would like to discuss. <laughs> I'll have to go to 80 for Brady, which Roman and Zach and I went to see on Saturday. And Jay was kind of like poking fun that it's a bit of an ironic watch, which I concede it was partly that when we went, but it was... I was only poking fun at that because you claimed that that was not what you guys do. No, I agree. I you agree. Were sincere. I, I don't think you're... Uh, you're I, I'm fine with, you know, whatever. I, I'm, it's I know. Fun, I'm but. just saying, I don't think your poking fun was off base. It was legit. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, <laughs> but I was really pleasantly surprised with the movie. Uh, certain, some things more than others. This movie is a spiritual successor to Detroit Rock City. I guarantee that movie got watched. The structure is almost identical. It's like a road trip to an event. They get separated. They have to get they don't have tickets. They have to re-get their tickets and each character has their own kind of arc with their adventure once they get to the Super Bowl. And first of all, it uses a song in Detroit Rock City when they leave for the road trip, they take the same 
it's not the same year of car, but the same model of car, a Volvo. Uh, oh. I guarantee it was a major influence on this movie. And I love Detroit <laughs> Rock City. So uh, I really liked the the structure of this. I really like the we idea. Should, uh, just on the note of Detroit Rock City, we should add this to one of our retro screenings, Invisible Maniac, directed by Adam Rifkin. One of his oh. early... Uh, okay sleazy pictures but it's actually a good plot idea or uh, with movies doing revisionist history in some ways it's going back to the biggest comeback in super bowl history and weaving in their story into the context of that super bowl and what i like about it is it does not take itself seriously at all uh, i think roman or zach had said it feels like an Adam Sandler movie sometimes. And it is like Lily Tomlin's character has Tom Brady bobbleheads talking to her and she's like communicating with them and stuff like that. Like it, it actually pushes into absurdity in a happy Madison way that I really liked. Uh, there are some serious moments that are not as great, but I actually thought it like, it didn't take itself very seriously to great effect. And, uh, it was it was fun. I I laughed quite a bit. Hmm. So it is actually a road trip movie. Yeah, pretty much. the The one part that was missing from the road trip was the flight, which they kind of go from Boston to uh, was it Phoenix? I think where the sewer, and it, it just kind of happens. That trip, the trip itself, is the element that's missing uh, from Detroit Rock City. But other than that, it's a it's pretty similar. Although it adds to it in its contribution to the idea is that they are directly influencing events and it get, it takes this absurd idea and it grounds it in some sense. Cause I'm familiar with that super bowl. I know what happens. I know where it's going and they don't like they use real footage from that super bowl. And it, like that idea works like cutting actual football footage that existed before into this movie. I thought that was an awesome idea. Hmm. And it's a super bowl. If you know about it, it's one of the most significant sporting events of the last 20 years for sure. And if you don't know about it, it's even more effective. Like Roman and Zach didn't know what happened in that super bowl. I'm like, like, did they, is it, did this actually happen? I'm like, why did they pick that? I'm like, you'll see (laughs) there's a, there's a reason why they picked it. And then the fact that they actually play a role uh, in the in the comeback is pretty funny. Hmm. Cool. Tom Brady is not as he has highs and lows in his very limited performance, but there's an f bomb that's pretty good. He's not <laughs> expecting a good f bomb in this movie. Nice. Very pleasant surprise. Is this could this be on your top ten list at the end no, of the year? It's it's probably a three point seven five. I, I rounded down to a three and a half. Okay. Jay. See, that's an example of something where, you know, it, it does seem like a ridiculous movie, but the concept, if done in a way that is refreshing or interesting or fun, I could see it being a pleasant surprise. Yeah. It, it's very similar to cocaine bear. <laughs> And one I laughed at several times and had 
a ton of fun with. And the other one, I was just, it was just glazing over me. Like at least they're both short. We didn't say that about mm-hmm. cocaine bear. It's very short, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. We might have to get ahead of the trend too. Cause now everyone is saying movies are too long. We got to be pushing for long movies again. Cause it's, everything's going to come back to 90 minute movies. We got to, no, we got to, we got to find the next thing. Like two hours is perfect. Let's not go 90. Let's go two. I mean, I'm finding two hours is what everything is right now. I don't know why. Like, I feel like every week I'm kind of like looking for something to watch and I'm, I'm looking through my list of stuff I want to watch. And I'm like, I just want something that's 90 minutes that I can knock out. And everything is at least two hours, sometimes I, two and a half. Maybe it was just this weekend. Like women talking was an hour and 40. I watched the fall, which is about an hour and 40. And that, that seems to be the sweet spot right now with everything I watch 80 for Brady. Hmm. Or not the fall. Maybe sorry, I'm just, fall. I watched fall. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> what do you got, Jay? Uh, not much. I, I rewatched Trekkies, I, which I hadn't seen, watched in some time. It's still fun. Um, you know, it, it, maybe some of it hasn't aged very well. It's it's like one of those films where way back when seeing this, it, it felt fresh and it felt unique and funny and it still has its charms, but some of it is is a little, um, um, some of the humor falls flat, but Gabriel is still an amazing character in Trekkies, the kid who's obsessed with Star Trek. And uh, I was reminded that he... Act, uh, it has become quite successful working in visual effects, which is cool. Yeah, right. Did they? I feel like uh, in Trekkies too, they went back to him or something. Am I misremembering that? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I remember Trekkies too being <clears throat> not being great because it spends so much time on the Star Trek music acts. Right, yeah. That sing like Star Trek themed parody songs. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And Trekkies is just released on Blu ray or something? Is that what uh, you were it came watching? came out on Blu ray last year. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, for to tie in with Cocaine Bear, I, you know, I watched Grizzly 2 last year, I believe. And I was like, I got to watch Grizzly 1 because Grizzly 2 is terrible. So Grizzly 1 has to be a bit better, right? And it is better. I think it's probably probably better than Cocaine Bear. I, I had a bit more fun with it than Cocaine Bear, but I mean, not great. Uh, it's definitely a Jaws knockoff. I mean, one of the first Jaws knockoffs, I believe. And uh, it like it's kind of crazy how much the plot, like just weird things that you would think, like why do you need to steal that element of Jaws? But like you know, the fact that the bear is like a giant prehistoric bear not just a bear (laughs) or um you know obviously they've got just the same kind of thing where it's like the park owner so like you know a grizzly bear killing people within a um, state park and they're trying to catch the bear but they want to shut the park down because there's campers around and the guy who owns the park or runs it doesn't want to so he's like saying, no, leave it open, leave it open. 
and just move people away from where the bear is supposed to be. But obviously he keeps showing up and killing people. And, uh, you know, it's the best stuff is obviously the, the kills, uh, there's a lot of POV shots and just like flying limbs and stuff. <laughs> they do have a real bear they use, but it's never really in a shot with any of the people getting killed. Like it's kind of, you see the bear stand up on its hind legs and then you just see blood or something, but uh, it's still kind of fun that, you know, the ending I thought was, was enjoyably cheesy. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, not amazing. And it was on Shutter, I believe I watched it. I didn't think about it until it was too late, but I should have watched The Bear. I've never seen the, the 1988 movie, The Bear, which I've always I, wanted I to pulled, watch, even when I was a kid. Pulled out The Bear on Blu-ray and Grizzly on Blu-ray, because I still haven't seen Grizzly, and I, I didn't, didn't get to it. I might watch The Bear this week. I, I remember is, wanting to see it so bad when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems very surprising you didn't see that one as a kid. Yeah, I got I got to scratch it off the list of shame. <laughs> Benji the Hunted, too. There's a bear in there. Mm, yeah. Because I loved uh, The Incredible Journey and those types of movies, and I was like, the bear, this is going to be the ultimate. And it was the bear from The Great Outdoors. And when I was researching oh, that, night, that was one thing. The uh, there's a great outdoors lift in the door, uh, pushing down there. on the door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But apparently they were pushing. It was Bart the Bear. They were pushing to get Bart the Bear Academy recognition. <laughs> yeah, he should. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, as much for- as uh, you know, a uh, CG bear can look questionable. I'm fine with Bart the Bear not having to. Uh, I, I'm he's fine. Still alive. I'm, I'm also fine with it. I just, yeah. In the context of uh, Cocaine Bear, it could have been any version of it would have been more interesting in terms of the special effects than the yeah. one they picked. Uh, I will. I'll just say briefly. I rewatched the wrong Missy. I got home from Cocaine Bear and I was just laying in my bed and I was going to eat something and. Uh, so let me just throw something stupid on for 10 minutes. And I remember lo- loving the uh, the first 20 minutes of The Wrong Missy. And I just fell in love all over again. Lauren <laughs> Lapkus in the first <laughs> 45 minutes of that movie. I, I just think it, I was laughing out loud in my, I, I was like, this is hilarious. I don't care. I unapologetically love the wrong Missy. And I even like the second half. Now I like everything about it. It's a four star movie for me and I don't give a shit. How many people say it's the worst movie on letterboxd you're wrong. It's great. It's funny. It's supposed to be funny. It is funny. Lauren Lapkus is amazing in that movie. The KOC putting down his, just putting a stamp on that one. It's going to be just like nothing but trouble. And I think David Spade said the same thing on a podcast a while, like when it came out, everyone laughs at it, but, or they say they're laughing at it. They're not, they're laughing with it. And like, did you, that was so stupid, but you laughed. That was the point. It's not so that you can make fun of it. It knows it's stupid. You think it, what do you think? It thinks it's serious when she's, uh, (laughs) 
dipping her hair in drinks and sucking her own hair and like using it as a mustache and calling herself Hellstar. You think the movie doesn't know it's funny? <laughs> yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a fine line laughing at the movie versus laughing with it. Get real. Okay, Jay. That's it for me. Okay. I watched one other thing after uh, doing the TV junk episode about Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, doing some reading. I was like, I gotta, I need to know more about J.R.R. Tolkien. So I watched the 2019 biopic Tolkien starring Nicholas Holt and Lily Collins, which I, when this came out, I kind of meant to see it and just never got around to it. Reviews were not amazing. And it's not, terrible it's actually like it's got some interesting ideas in it um i i think that the problem is i don't really don't know that there's a great story in there like it kind of focuses on him um kind of growing up in in school and he had this group of friends that were all kind of into different different art forms whether it was poetry or writing or music painting and they kind of just got together every week and talked about this stuff, I guess kind of similar to the, the writing club he had with like CS Lewis and stuff later on in life. But, uh, so it's kind of like about that and like their friendship. And then he falls in love with, um, what's, uh, Edith was his wife's name played by Lily Collins. So there's that. And then he goes off to war in world war one. And they do have some visual, like it's not as cheesy as you might expect where there's like certain things that happen to him in life, like are like, Oh, that's where he got the idea for this or that. But there are some visual illusions like on the battlefield, like somebody's using a flamethrower and it kind of like, there's like an image of like a dragon kind of fades in there and stuff. And I didn't <laughs> actually mind that stuff, but, um, Sounds ridiculous. Yeah. I mean like that's, the, that's kind of what I thought a lot of the movie would be, but, I mean, there's, it kind of picks that stuff, uh, picks and chooses when it does that stuff. And I think it's interesting just because he never kind of said that the Lord of the Rings was an allegory for, for World War One, but, you know, at the same time, it's pretty clear that there was an influence there. So, uh, yeah, I just think plot-wise, like, it's, there's, it's kind of directionless in a way, but um, I thought the performances were good, so... It's on Disney Plus if you're interested. I'm not. Uh, but maybe a new game similar to Cheap Charts. I have a movie that I want to guess that Jay has bought on Cheap Charts. My random <laughs> IMDb <laughs> clicking. A movie I completely forgot about that is... There's no reason why he should own it. I just have a feeling he bought it at some point. Okay. Wing Commander. From 1999. No, I don't. <laughs> maybe I just started something. <laughs> I think maybe you did. I mean, I'm going to have to go and have a look for Wind Commander now, I think. Maybe I, I started something. <laughs> I, I like kind of want to watch Wing Commander. <laughs> I feel like I bought a digital version of that at some point. I don't know where it would be, but I should check that out. Do you uh, want to give a, I'll, I'll give you a little... Uh, Couple letterboxed sure. recent purchases. Cheap charts. Yeah, cheap charts. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
Let's see. What do we got? What do we got here? Are these recent purchases or it could be just something you bought anytime? What would you prefer? Recent. Uh, Yeah, recent would be. Maybe give us a little bit of (laughs) a hint. Okay. Um, Thing is, I don't think, I don't know that even I would get these. Let's try this one. Ready? Yep. To tomorrow, 10. Thank you, Your Honor. Your Honor? Feels like it's briefcases being put on a desk. Judge Harden? Ms. Harden, please. I talked to you. I have something I want you to see. What is it? It's a photograph of a boy. He's a 10-year-old fourth grader. His front teeth are too big and his hair falls on his face. You, Dr. Lewin? I was Dr. Lewin. I'm not anyone now. Wow. <laughs> Some kind of courtroom comedy, I guess? I don't know. I don't think it's a comedy. No? It's about man's inhumanity to man. Yeah, it might not be a comedy. Is that a hint that Whoopi's in it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Year? 1983. I will say I have I have not seen it. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) That's uh I don't think I'm I would get this one ever. No. It's, uh, the Star Chamber, starring Michael Douglas, directed by Peter Hyams. Mm. Never heard okay. of it. Absolute classic. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have um, Wing Commander? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Wing Commander. Yeah, I'll give you this one. This one. Do you want the date at the beginning? No. So what's going on down there? Well, here we have a surprise on Friday for you. Surprise? For me? Yeah. Right, don't tell me find that you got the shit. No, better than that. We're going on a vacation. I have a ticket that waiting for you at the airport. To where we going out. You know what I mean? Then, right. remember you tell you that you owe me one, nigga. Again? You remember when I told you you owe me one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen this. Why you like that? Yeah, well, here we are now. This, this, oh, this is um, a big vacation. Oh, is it with DMX and Steven Seagal? No. <laughs> I would have bodied you niggas as soon as they said something. Oh, fuck is you talking about? You was right there and didn't say shit. I'm surprised you had nothing to pull that piece of shit now you got, nigga. What the fuck are you talking about, nigga? Yo, if it wasn't me. Sean? <laughs> Uh, uh, juice. Was no. it maybe Steven Seagal wasn't it? Is it Exit Wounds? No, Steven Seagal's in that, right? Exit Wounds, isn't he? You're close. Yeah, Steven Seagal and DMX. Uh, I don't know. Romeo it's must from die. 1998. Nope. Hmm. What is it? 1998. I mean, we should be able to get it if it's 98, but. Don't know. 
belly. Belly. Oh, okay. DMX so is it in was it somehow. DMX. Frank, you you tapped into that. I, I recognize DMX. But w- was that him on the other end of at the some line? Point, not initially, I don't think. I th- I thought at some other point I heard DMX. Hmm. I don't think so. But no, you tapped hmm. in. You tapped in. One more for the road. Here we go. late for a lady to be out on the streets don't you think i got a couple of cool questions world? for you miss yeah i was just gonna say that it sweet never seen cool that. world oh man i saw it in the yeah. theater i remember being really disappointed as a, a young one was it you thought you were but, getting your second like Sexual awakening after Dick Tracy. I thought I was getting my second Roger Rabbit and I got my second sexual awakening. (laughs) Nice. All right. So, uh, I think that was it for what we watched, right? That's it for me. Okay. Let's talk. Sorry. I I watched fall as well. I'm really late to the party on fall, but I thought it started off great. And by the end, I was just ready to be done with it. It gets a little, some of the twists towards the end were not great. Got a Damn. little too goofy towards the end. Okay. Mm. Uh, Fair enough. Okay, let's talk DVD, Blu-ray, VOD releases this week. We've got Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Devotion, Hunt, God's Country, and Growing Pains, The Complete Series. 4K releases, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Devotion, Training Day, this is like, I think the first of these new Warner Brother ones that are coming out this year, with the slightly off-center uh, logo. So gross. Yeah. Uh, Marathon Man, Rocky, the Knockout Collection, which is only the first four movies, I think. Yes. I don't like that trend of 4K box sets that aren't complete, but uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Kubo and the Two Strings, Box Trolls, Dragon Heart, and Scream. Like, was, was Scream already out? I think this is a steel book or something, right? Yep. And then catalog releases, we've got Hollywood Shuffle, Millionaire's Express, uh, The Bliss of Mrs. Blossom, Secret of the Incas. I feel like I've heard of this movie before. Is this like... Uh, I think I heard it was like an influence on Indiana Jones or something but I've never seen it. Uh, the Adventures of Batman, the complete collection, The Dogs, Hell Island, Betwixt Now and Sunrise, uh, which I think that's the new version of Twixt, the Francis Ford Coppola movie. Uh, the Great Texas yeah. Dynamite Chase with Eat My Dust, Wheels of Fire with Raiders of the Sun, and I Miss You Hugs and Kisses with Recommendation for Mercy. Uh, Sex is Crazy and Amigo. Digital releases this week, uh, Palm Trees and Power Lines, and A Man Called Otto, I believe, is on VOD this week. New to streaming, uh, we've got The Mandalorian Season 3 on Disney+. 
uh, Daisy Jones and the Six on Prime Video, and True Lies, the True Lies TV series uh, on CBS, which I assume means Paramount Plus as well, but I don't know for sure. True Lies TV series? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> which is ironic because uh, there was a teaser trailer for Arnold Schwarzenegger's first ever TV series uh, this week. A Netflix mm-hmm. show called Fubar. I do not believe he's involved in the True Lies TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in theaters, we've got Creed 3, uh, Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre which I don't think is coming out in Canada. I really don't understand what happened with this movie. It's This is the latest Guy Ritchie film. It was supposed to come out last year, and then it got delayed. I think I read something that like the villains are like Ukrainian soldiers or something, so that maybe is why it got delayed. But yeah, it's like not even getting released here in Canada, I don't think. Probably will be just direct to streaming. Uh in select theaters, we've also got The Quiet Girl, which is one of the uh, best international film nominees at the Oscars, and Children of the Corn, the new, I guess the second remake of Children of the Corn, or reboot, uh, which is going to be on VOD, I think, in a couple weeks as well. So, next week on the show, uh, we'll be reviewing Creed Three. You guys looking forward to this? I am. Yeah. I mean, Creed 2 was not the best, but I'm the trailers look good, and I'm very curious about Michael B. Jordan directing. Yeah, everyone seems to say it's really good, and when I saw the trailer with Jonathan Majors, he looked really good in it, so I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about Michael B. Jordan was heavily influenced by anime in his uh, making of the movie. So very curious to see what that means. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm marginally less excited. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for the, um, nineties Paul Piro's premium. We going up on Bandcamp, filmjunk.bandcamp.com and become a patron patreon.com slash film junk and until next time we'll see you guys later bye bye I'm Snoopy Devil is an aim here to talk about Harmony Korean movies. I was in Beach Bound.